Oh, praise the Lord. Open your Bibles up to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. We've been talking about the workings of the Holy Spirit. Last week we were just kind of briefly mentioning some things out of verse 3, and I'd like to pick back up on that this morning. And I'd like to really kind of talk a little bit about how that one of the workings of the Holy Spirit is in the giving of repentance. In John chapter 3 and verse 3, we were reading this last week, and the one of the workings of the Holy Spirit is the new birth. The question was raised to Jesus in John 3 and verse 1 by Nicodemus. He came to him and said, Rabbi, we know that your teacher come from God. No man could do these miracles except God be with him. And Jesus spoke to him and said this, Verily I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, it almost seems like kind of an incomplete phrase there, doesn't it? Because Nicodemus came up and paid him a compliment. Nicodemus came up to him and expressed to him, I believe in who you are. He said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher and we know you've come from God and these miracles are could not be done except God be with you. So in a way he was saying unto him, I believe in who you are. I believe that you're the Messiah. But Jesus then went on to make this statement. He, he said to him, he didn't say to him, that's good, Nicodemus. I am the Messiah. And I'm glad that you believe in me. What he said to him was, except a man be born again, he'll never see the kingdom of God. And that right away, you know, Jesus ministered by the Holy Spirit. And he knew that Nicodemus needed to be kind of shocked into, into something. He needed to be put back. He needed to raise a question. That's what he did. Of all the things that he said, he responded with, you've got to be born again to make it into the kingdom. And so Nicodemus, right away, instead of hearing a well done, good and faithful servant, or the Spirit of the Lord has shown you this, or whatever, he right away is kind of put back and he said, how can a man be born when he's old? How can he enter into the womb of his mother a second time? And Jesus responded and said, I say unto thee, except a man be born of the water and born of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Now, what he's saying here, what we're talking about, is that one of the workings of the Spirit is that we have to be born of the Spirit. We have to be born again to make it into the kingdom of God. I was just thinking about the very fact that when Jesus presented that to him, it kind of set Nicodemus back and he kind of set him back and he said, look, it's not just in believing in me as the Messiah, but you have to start a new life. You have to have a new life. 
I was reading some things, some articles that were written, or questions raised and articles written by different ministers. And they were raising, they were answering the question that people were raising to them about, does God see me? Does God know me? And they, they, were, they were all phrased in a way, Christians, Christians writing, or people writing to psychiatrists, psychologists, and ministers, and they were kind of looking for a pity party. They were, they were, had a low self-esteem, and I'm sure there was, to a certain degree, they were kind of down and depressed, so they were raising these questions to these individuals, and I was reading the responses on the internet to what they were saying. Like one individual said that, according to his teacher, he was really, only had the value of like $4.50 when it came down to the amount of skin and the amount of tissue and the amount of minerals and the amount of chemicals. That really, of any significant value, there was none that he really amounted to about $4.50 worth of substance. And so he, it was, he was just kind of down by that and he was asking the question or kind of raising a statement kind of saying, my life is worthless. Even my teacher says I'm only worth $4.50. And the response of the worker was, God loves you. You know, that's it. God loves you. And then there was another, and they were talking about how that everybody just seemed to be down on them. They said they didn't have any friends. They said that the people that they went to school with, they called them ugly and they called them stupid and they called them fat and they laughed at their clothing and they called them retarded and they called them worthless and they were just kind of going on and on and on. And the response back by this individual was, God loves you. And I was reading down through all these different articles of these people that had kind of a low self-esteem and they were having a, a pity party about their problems that they were going through, and the response back was, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. And it was almost like the way they were coming across was, okay, but if nobody else likes you, God loves you, and God understands, and God uh, is accepting you the way that you are. I mean, that's just a constant way that it kept on coming across. And while it was all very kind of inspiring and moving and sentimental. It just wasn't the whole truth. It wasn't the whole truth. And as I looked at it and I thought about it, and I thought, boy, a lot of ministers are really chopping up the gospel and making it an easy pill to swallow rather than the truth. See, they were wanting God to join into their pity party about the way that people were picking on them and upon the way that things were going in their life. You know? Boo-hoo-hoo. And I don't want to sound sarcastic on what I'm saying, but, you know, their their thing was, uh, boo-hoo, people at kids are picking on me, people at kids are stealing my lunch, people at, at, at school are call me fat and ugly and stupid and this, that, and the other. And they wanted they wanted pity. They wanted sympathy. And the response back was, I understand and God understands and he loves you. And he does. 
But the truth of the matter is, when it really comes right down to it, you'd almost want to say, you know, all those things that people are saying about you, God would agree with all that and more. He thinks of you even worse than they do. Now, you might think, well, why would you want to say something like that? Why would Jesus want to say to a man that came to him and said, Jesus, we know who you are because nobody could do these miracles except God were with him. And he looked at him and said, unless you're born again, you're not going to make it in the kingdom. I mean, it was almost like the the compliment just went in one ear and out the other. It just kind of went and rolled off a duck's back like water. You know what I'm saying? It isn't in the compliment. It isn't in the self-pity. It isn't in the, oh, Jesus understands and he loves you. Yes, he does love us. But when people are down because somebody is saying unto them, we don't like you because you're arrogant. We don't like you because you're mean. We don't like you because uh, you're selfish and self-centered. Rather than getting pity and sympathy for that, the truth of the matter is God could add to that list on and on and on and on and on. And why would you do that? To shock them into to shock them into realizing that God's view of them is worse than what man's view of us of us is, because God says that we are totally depraved, totally worthless, and we're headed for hell unless we're born again. You know, it's like raising the question. Okay, all of that is true. God would agree with all of them about the things that they're saying about you. So what do you want to do? Would you like a new life? You know what I'm saying? You're mean. You're arrogant. You're proud. You're worthless. Okay, so what do you want? Do you want a new life? That's the gospel. You want a new life? That's what Jesus is offering. You hear what I'm saying? He's not feeling sorry for people and, oh, I understand, honey, and I want to give you a hug, and those things aren't true. Those things very well could be true. They very well could be. Because God's view of mankind is anything but complimentary. I mean, go back to Romans chapter 3 and verse 10. Coming on with, I understand and I know, and Jesus loves you. Yes, he does. God sent his son to the cross. But for what reason? To pay the penalty for the rotten, sinful, ungodly, wicked lifestyle that we're living. And unless people are awoke to the fact that God is not pleased with the life that individuals are living, and what he offers them is a new life, a new start, people are left with the impression that they can get forgiveness for their sins and yet still remain in the condition that they're in and that God has no real intention of attempting to change them. Come as you are 
And don't worry about being changed. God loves you just the way you are. Is that the message? That's not the message of the Bible. The message of the Bible is, Come unto me, all ye that are burdened and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. All you got to do is take my yoke upon you and follow me. But it's a yoke. And it's following Him. It's not being free to do what we want and continuing to follow my homosexual friends, continue to follow the Hollywood example set by a, a Hollywood with their divorces and remarriages and adulterous and fornicating relationships. I don't come to you and get pity and sympathy and know that you love me, but still continue to follow my drug-addicted, drug-dealing friends. He didn't say you go follow your old ways. He didn't say you go follow your old friends. You keep on going in the old direction you go. He said, I'm offering you a new life. I've come to pay the penalty for your sins, but I've also come to give you a new life because without that new life and that new birth, you won't make it in my kingdom. You know what I'm saying? That's That part of it is missing, friends. That's what people are not hearing. Yes, God loves us. Loves us more than any human being ever could. And He showed that love by sending His Son to the cross. But Jesus didn't just go to the cross so that it was an act of uh, sympathy and pity and feeling sorry for us. He went to pay the penalty for a sinful, wicked, corrupt life that we were living and the only way to receive the benefits of that is to start a new life. We must be born again. And sometimes I just don't hear that message coming across. These individuals were just pouring out and wanting sympathy and pity for people picking on them and saying mean and nasty things about them. Well, I don't know if you can get any much meaner and nastier than this. <laughs> In Romans 3 and verse 2, verse 3, Thinkest thou this, O man, that judges them that does such things, and doest the same that thou shalt... This, uh, well, wait, 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 I'm in Romans 2. I keep thinking, that's not right. Romans 3. He says, there's none righteous. No, not one, verse 10. There's none that has any understanding, wisdom about life and what's really going on and wisdom about God. They've all gone out of the way. That means that God created them for a specific reason, for a specific way in which they were to live, and they've all gone astray. We all did. We thought our way was the best way. We thought our way was the smart way. Isaiah 53 says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We know how to run our family better than God telling us. We know how to run our lives better than God telling us. You know, when it comes right down to it and you're offering people that Jesus is offering you a new life, that He'll take control of your life and show you how to live, if you really present it that way, a lot of people are going to say, I'm not interested in that. I don't want that. I want love. I want understanding. I want compassion. I want you to like me. Is that what... Is that what it's all about? No. 
Listen to what God says about people. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery in their way. The way of peace they have not known. And there is absolutely no fear before a fear of God in their eyes. They just keep on going the way that they want to go and they don't care what anybody thinks. That's what they're saying. And the message that Jesus presented was, this way will only put you in hell. But I offer you a new way. I offer you a new life. And that offer is a new life. It isn't just by believing upon me, but it is by repenting and believing upon me. See, Jesus' message is over in Mark chapter 1. He didn't just present a a message of uh, feelings, you know, I love you and I understand and don't you worry about it. People might be just picking on you, but I love you just the way you are, honey, and you're okay. Uh-uh. No, what he said in Mark 1, his message was, repent and believe the gospel. Repent and believe. And repent, is based, that's basically what he said to Nicodemus in a roundabout way. You need to do more than just believe in me as, a, as the Messiah and a worker from God. You need to turn from your old life onto a new one. And that means that you've got to be born again. That's what Jesus said in John chapter 6 when he said to those that came for a little boy's lunch, or they, he fed the thousands that were there, and he said, if you want into my kingdom, you've got to eat my, you've got to eat my body, you've got to drink my blood, you've got to partake of my life. They didn't want that. Even though he was talking about the words that he spoke, they didn't want that. They went away. They didn't, they murmured, they complained. My wife the other day was at Walmart, and while she was in there, I was in the Jeep, and the radio was on, and I don't know, I didn't like what was on, so I, I kind of hit the button that says search, you know, or seek, and it goes through a channel, and then it stop at one, and go to another channel, stop, and I'm just listening for something that really isn't much on that's hardly worth listening to anymore, is it? But anyways, I came over to a country station, and the song that was on I kind of liked, and then I listened to the end of it, and then at the end, it was a K100 out of Toledo, and they were giving on the radio an invitation to a uh, gospel by Johnny Cash program up in Toledo. And this country and western group was coming in, and they were going to uh, present the gospel according to Johnny Cash. And they'd get you in by six and out by seven, free refreshments too. Now, don't get me wrong. Johnny Cash had a miserable life. He had gotten heavily involved in drugs and really messed up his life. And many say that he turned his life to Christ and uh, served the Lord and praise God if he did. And if that was the message, praise God. I'm glad for that. But the message, you know, and it may have been just the advertisers more than anything else, but it was just coming across as, now we know you're busy and you got a lot on your platter, but, is, but come on in from six to seven. We'll even give you a free meal, and we'll give you the gospel according to Johnny Cash. It just 
took away that element of, you know, it kind of it came across that if you're not too busy, I'd like to share this with you, you know? And that's just not the way that Jesus presented the message in the Bible. Praise God if they said the truth in an hour. But if you're not too busy, can you give us an hour? Almost sounds like they're begging and pleading for people to come in. He didn't beg and plead for anybody to come in. You know, with, with, with Nicodemus, he just said, here's the way it is, guy. You've got to be born again to make it my kingdom. And that raised the question, born again, what do you mean? What does it mean by that? You've got to have a new life. That's what he said. See, his message was Mark chapter 1. And the message was, repent and believe. The gospel is not believe. It is repent and believe. And if all you're doing is presenting believe, 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 you are misrepresenting God and you are misleading people. And I am not afraid to say that. Believe what? That's the question. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, now shalt be saved, and thy house. Believe what? Well, believe that he went to the cross for me. Why? Why did he go to the cross for me? Because I was a worthless, no good sinner and under God's wrath and headed for hell. That's true. But why else did he go? I don't know. He went because he paid the penalty for your old life so you could start over with a new life. And if you want to make it in God's kingdom, it isn't by just believing that Jesus was God. It isn't just by believing that Jesus died on the cross. You can believe all that, still perish and go to hell. Because you're taking Jesus as Savior. And you're not taking Him as Lord and Savior. If He becomes the Lord of your life, that means you're committing your life unto Him and you're saying unto Him, Okay, Lord, I'm coming to you because I have totally messed up my life. And I want to start all over. I want a new life. And see, that's why I put those gory, ugly pictures up last week. Not not to be critical or, or to think that people like that couldn't get saved. I wasn't, wasn't trying to imply that at all. But the question I was raising was, why do people do that? And do they want a new life? Do they want something different? I only put that up to shock people because it, because you just wonder, why would people go to such degree to mutilate their body? Do they want attention or what? Do they want people to feel sorry for them? Are they depressed? Uh, you know, I don't understand. Some of it is just plain Satan worship and going about as low in some of it as you can go. But the message is to those, hey, we're offering you a new life, something far better than what you've got right now. Do you want it? And when you put that element into it, church, you're going to find that the masses are going to say, I don't want that. I will, Sure, I want forgiveness. Sure, I want to go to heaven. You know what I'm saying? That's like standing up and offering $100 bills to anybody that wants them. No cost involved. Sure, I'll take it. You know. 
But when you put a cost to it, oh my, I don't want that. Well, you say Jesus didn't put a cost to it. Oh, yes, he did. Here's what he said. Mark 1 and verse 14. After John was put in prison, because John's message was what? Repent. Turn. Be baptized. Do you know what baptism is? In John's baptism, it was a get washed and cleansed of your own way of life and come out clean and forgiven. But with Christian baptism, it is, you know what? I'm taking this life that I live as a sinner and I'm going to bury it in this watery grave and I'm going to come out as a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. And now coming out of this grave, the old way of life is, is in the grave. I've got a new way of life ahead of me, and that's what I'm going to live. I don't know for sure what all's involved in it yet, but I'm putting my hand to the plow and I'm not looking back. That's Luke 9.62. See, what Jesus is offering is a new lifestyle. Forgiveness is included with it. But if you think that it's just forgiveness without a change, without turning, you're presenting a gospel with no repentance. Because to repent means to change one's way of thinking. To repent means to turn and to walk in a new direction. See, he said after John got put in prison, he went out and he started preaching. And here was his message. Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. It was what? Repent and believe. And without it. This is after the ascension. And he says to them, um, Thus it is right. All right. Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name. See, it isn't just remission of sins. It isn't just believe on Jesus paying the penalty for our sins. What we're called to preach upon is repentance. Repentance. It's repent. And what does that mean? That means He wants you to change. He wants you to get rid of that old life. He wants you to change your your way of thinking. He wants to point you in a new direction. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight. I've already quoted it. He said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. For what reason? To learn of me. And all the way through, every time that he went to someone and presented himself as the Messiah and called them unto him, that calling was what? Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Well, if I'm going in my direction and it's contrary to the way that God wants me to go, and he says unto me, follow me, it means i got to change direction. And the gospel is, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. But included with it is, you're going to have to change the way you're living and start living for God. 
And without that, the gospel has been so watered down and wishy-washy that people just have an attitude of, everybody's picking on me, but God loves me. Well, the bottom line really came down to it, and they looked at what God said to them, what he says about all men, including the ones that are picking on the ones that are getting down about it. He says the worst things of anybody about us. And it should make us drop our head and say, God have mercy upon me, I'm a sinner. See, listen to what I look at what I put up on the board. People today are always trying to come up with some way to help the Holy Spirit. Do we really need to help the Holy Spirit draw people to Christ? Do we really need to come up with gimmicks and things? You're absolutely right. I'm not big on Christian magicians. I think it's a contradiction in terms. I'm not real big on presenting the gospel through all these weightlifting groups and rock music and all the things that people come up with. Because I don't see Jesus doing any of that. Not a bit. He believed that the Holy Spirit was fully capable of drawing to him all that the Father had elected and chosen. And so he was just sensitive to what the Holy Spirit wanted him to say. And when Nicodemus said unto him, Lord, we know who you are, because nobody can do these miracles except from he come from God. And Jesus looked at him and he said, to make it in my kingdom, you've got to be born again. <laughs> I mean, what an answer. It was like, I don't care if you believe who I am. That isn't going to cut it. You've got, to be, you've got to be made new. Well, how can I do that? You have to be born of the water and you have to be born of the Spirit. I mean, he just laid it out in a way that you just don't hear people too often speaking about them. What is repentance? Well, look at Acts chapter 16 and verse 31. I mean, the gospel is Jesus went to the cross to pay the penalty for our sinful life. Now, if you want to make it in his kingdom, you've got to repent of that sinful life and receive the mercy and the forgiveness that God has shown in his Son. If you don't want to change the way you're living, forget it. Offers off the table. If you don't want a new life, forget it. Offers off the table. Don't ever, ever, ever suggest to anyone that they can have the forgiveness of sins without committing their life to be changed by God. That's not the offer. We are totally misleading people to imply that God doesn't care how you live just as long as you believe on His Son. No. You've got to start a new way of life. And from this point on, from the point that you make that decision, from that point on, you're going to turn from your way and you're going to turn to God's. Yeah, there's going to be some ups and downs. There's going to be some problems and difficulties along the way. And I can't tell you in five minutes everything is going to occur in your life but it is a commitment to Him to take control of your life and to serve Him no matter what. But if you don't want a new life, offers off the table. Because that's the offer. In Acts 16.31, when the disciples, uh, when the apostles had were in prison and supernaturally the 
chains fell off and they were loosed. The jailer wanted to commit suicide. And when they went to him, they said, don't do that. We're all here. We haven't been, we didn't run and escape. And then they brought, when they brought him out, he said to them, verse 30, Sir, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spoke unto him the words of the Lord and to all that were in his house. In other words, they just didn't stop with saying, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. They presented a message that was a lot more than just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, how do you know that? Because it says in verse 33, he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes, and he was baptized, he and all his, straightway. And so they got baptized. Might have been baptism of the Holy Spirit. It might have been baptism in water. It might have been both. But if it was baptism in water and it was Christian baptism, Paul had presented unto them the message of how they needed a new life. And that new life was going to be a public demonstration by burying an old life and coming out with a new. Because baptism was included in it. Repentance, what is it? It's not an emotion. It's not tears. It's not a feeling. It's not getting busy. Repentance is a decision. It's a change of mind. It says, I don't like my life the way it is. It's wrong. It's rebellious. It's self-centered. It's being disobedient to God. It's my way, and it's totally contrary to what God wants. And I'm going to make the decision right here and now to change. Let me give you a good illustration. Look at Luke 15 and verse 11. Luke 15 and verse 11. This is the story of the prodigal son. A certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that follow to me, and he divides, and he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, he and his journey, and into a far country, and he wasted his substance with riotous living. You know, he was drinking, smoking, chewing, going to nude women bars, and all the things that people can do today. He was just wasting it on whatever foolish, stupid thing he could think of. And when it was all spent, there arose a mighty famine in the land. And then he began to be hungry. So he went and he joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he would have loved to have filled his belly with the husks that the pigs got to eat. I'm paraphrasing. But no man offered it to him. And he came to himself and he said. He came to himself and he said. It wasn't an emotion. It wasn't a feeling. It was a decision. It was a choice. He said, 
How many hired servants of my father have at least bread enough to eat and to spare? And I'm perishing with hunger. I'm going to arise and I'm going to go back to my father and I'm going to say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee and I'm not worthy to be called your son, but please make me one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father. Now what did he do? Did he cry? Did he make excuses? Did he ask to be pitied? Did he have feelings that he say, I just believe in my Father. I just believe my Father loves me. I, I, I don't know. I just, I just feel like I just feel like there was no feelings. He made a choice and a decision to stop what he was doing and to go back to what he knew was right and to start a new way of life. You listening to me? That's the message, church. He stopped. He repented. He turned. He changed his way of thinking. In the Old Testament, repentance meant to turn. It was shoo. And the New Testament means to change your mind, change your way of thinking. Both of it's right there. He thought to himself, this life is worthless. I don't want this life. Man, this is going nowhere. This is only going to lead to constant problems, heartaches, and sorrows. I want something new. And he turned from it. He didn't say, I believe that I've got heaven. I believe I'm okay. I believe I've got... Uh, my father's favor and kept on living riotously with his friends. He put his, he walked away from those friends. He walked away from that lifestyle. He walked in, in turn and went back to what he was raised with and what he knew was right. And why is that there? That's there for our understanding so that we can see that that's what the gospel is all about. He made that choice. He made that decision. Someone once wrote, every man is like this, and each step he takes, he gets closer to the grave, closer to hell, farther in darkness and darkness, and farther away from God. To repent means to stop, to turn, to face the light, and say, enough, I'm done. What's ahead? When they turn, when we turn, it takes years to learn. But Luke nine sixty two, Jesus said, "No man puts his hand to the plow and looks back. If he does, he's not fit for the kingdom." It's always in the New Testament, repent and believe, not just believe. And there's my verse. I knew it'd show up. Luke twenty four forty six. Peter preached it. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Here's what he said. Acts 2.38 When they asked him the question when they were pricked in their hearts about crucifying their Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. When they, when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and, and Peter said to them and they said to him, what shall we do? And Peter said, Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent. 
You have to change. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 20, Paul's message had in it repentance. Acts chapter 20 and verse 20. Here's what he says. Uh, Acts 20 and verse... He says he'd been serving the Lord with all humility of mind, verse 19, and with many tears and temptations which befell me and by them lying in the weight of the Jews and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you. But I've shown you and I've taught you publicly from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm just scratching the surface over and over and over again. It is repent and believe. To leave out repentance is misleading sinners and misrepresenting God. Because God commands all men everywhere, Acts 17.30, to repent. Repent of what? Repent of everything contrary to the Word of God. Not just open acts of sin and wickedness, but even rebellious dead works. Look at Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 1. Acts of love, religious rites, man-made ordinances, all those things that man have come up with, God commands men to repent of those things. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 1, Paul says, Leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let's go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from what? Dead works. Not just wickedness, not just fornication, not just lying, not just stealing, not just sins of immorality, but dead works. Man's ways of trying to earn their salvation and gain favor with God. When Jesus said in John 6.44, no man can come to me except the Father draw him, you know what he was saying? Only the Holy Spirit can open up a person's eyes to see that I need to be drawn away from my old life and drawn to a new way of life, and that new way of life is in Jesus Christ. I want to close by having you look at Luke 13. Luke chapter 13. And I really will close after this, because there's no screen next after it. That was from my wife. Luke chapter 13. Kind of an interesting historical lesson here. It says, There were present at that season some that told him of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answering said unto them, I suppose that you think these Galileans were sinners above all Galileans because they suffered such things. Now, Exactly what he's talking about, well, historically and traditionally, there was a man by the name of Judas of the Galileans, he's mentioned in the, in the book of Acts. He led away a group of men, I forget how many, into a rebellion against the Roman government to whereby they refused to pay taxes. 
So the Roman rulers killed them, and they took their blood and they mingled it with their sacrifices, which was a way of just of just um, desecrating their life and and you know really uh, expressing the the most how, how do you say it when their love was mingled in false worship with the Romans God Roman gods I mean that's just extremely low and so Jesus is saying I suppose you think that they must have done something really really wicked to have that kind of wrath of God being brought upon them to where their blood was mingled with that of these pagan gods. But Jesus went on to say, I tell you, except you repent, you're all going to perish. I mean, these were religious leaders that they bragged and boasted about all the religious good deeds that they did. They gave alms twice a week. They fasted twice a week and gave alms of everything. You know, you remember the ritual, the... the um, priest in the synagogue bragging upon himself. But what he said was, if you think these guys suffered a severe, such wrath of God upon them, I'm going to tell you what, your religious, your religious good works don't mean a thing unless you repent. Or those 18 upon whom the Tower of Siloam fell. I mean, here you have some kind of a catastrophe that occurred to whereby they're thinking in terms of like, wow, man, that must have been uh, the judgment of God to be near the Tower of Siloam and all of a sudden it just falls on all these 18 people. What a catastrophe. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if they were serving God, He would have protected them and He would have kept them and the angels would have removed them to whereby they wouldn't have get hurt. But of all things to be uh, walking by a tower, maybe. I mean, not, we're, we don't know. There's not a lot of historical significance to this. But walking by a tower, and all of a sudden this building falls over on them. Whoa, they sure weren't serving God. And he went on to say, I'm telling you, except you repent, you're all going to perish. See, it doesn't matter. You can look around. You can, you can look and you can talk about how uh, murderous and how wicked and how cruel and a tyrant Hitler was. But unless men repent, they're no better off than he. Too often we look at others and we think, faults in others I can see, but praise the Lord, there's none in me. Somehow I'm just a whole lot better than that mutilated bonehead we put up last week in the pictures. Oh, I thank God I'm not like that. Boy, I sure am glad I'm not a dope-smoking, heroin-addicted, dinosaur, tattooing, body-piercing, on and on. I got news for you. Unless you're born again, you're going to the same place that person is if they're not born again. That's the message. It isn't just believing on Jesus. It's what you believe about Jesus. And if you only believe that Jesus died to pay the penalty for your sins, and that's it, nothing more, you're missing a whole lot of the gospel. It is believing that He is the way, the truth, and the life. And the only way to please the Father is to take His yoke 
and to learn of him and follow him and make him the Lord and master of your life. There's no such thing as taking Jesus as Lord, taking Jesus as Savior without taking him as Lord. There's no such thing as being born again and receiving the gospel without repentance. It doesn't work. And repentance is turning around and walking and following after a new way of life. Can you say amen? Father in heaven, I know that your your word declares in Second Timothy 2 that the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be apt to teach, being patient with all men, instructing those that are opposing themselves, that just maybe you'll grant unto them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Shame on the church today for feeling that the Holy Spirit just doesn't understand the problems and the lifestyles and the things that people are going through today. And that somehow we have to change the message, water it down, make it look prettier, make it smell prettier, take away the cost. Just tell everybody, believe, believe, believe. Shame on us and forgive us for not seeing that what you commissioned us to do was to, repre- was to preach repentance unto all men. And not, not, not try to argue anybody into the truth because it's a gift. And when you open up the eyes of a person to see that their life even if it's religious, is not pleasing unto you unless they've made you the Lord of their life and are born again. We can't argue anybody into the truth. We've just called to present the message. And if you're, if they are your elect, you'll draw them unto the acknowledging of the truth. And they will turn and they will change. Grant unto every single one of us here this morning and any that may be hearing this message, wisdom to be able to present your word and not misrepresent it, that people can be drawn by the Holy Spirit into your kingdom by being born again, by repenting and believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, bless the word to our hearts. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.